We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Levy and Bells with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more profits than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and only cost $100 dinner. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week and climb the leaderboard and share. Score your share the huge prize cash pool. I recommend it. That service has been good to me. Heck, I made money to pay for my kids' school supplies. So, not a lot, but hey, it's my end and half. They have live and game betting. You can bet on uh, fantasy points. So, join now. You get up to $200 in free bets. Use promo code PANTHER25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookieOnline today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code PANTHER25. Bet when get paid. Hey, guys. Welcome in. It's Vlad Harris here on the Panther Rants podcast. It's hump day. We're uh, in August now. Summer's winding down and school's back up. Which is funny because um, a lot of uh, the, a lot of stuff with school districts is changing on certain ones. For some school districts, it used to be you start around Labor Day and you got out later. Now they're starting before Labor Day, and I think they're getting out a little earlier. And of course, they're adding like a few minutes to the, to the school day. And I guess some people are mad about this. On top of that, you get to, you know. Some kids are getting a week off for Thanksgiving, some you know, or two weeks for Christmas or both. I mean, last year my kids got a week off for Thanksgiving because the you know the board voted on it, and you know two weeks off for Christmas. And on top of that, the school day started. The school day started earlier, and it went. And I guess they increased the the uh, the day itself by fifteen minutes a day, so they got they got out earlier. Um, they experimented with this last when Harvey hit they did they did this they experimented with extending the school day back like 10-15 minutes so they would have to make up two weeks of school and it worked out because yeah the kids didn't go back till September 11th and it's funny because my oldest child is hoping for a big rainstorm again so he can miss a whole bunch of school again Obviously, he's young, and I'm like, no, people lost their homes. Some people lost their lives. Not a good idea. Anyways, 
back, been back in Houston forever. Week, well, it's been a week now. Uh, was in Pittsburgh last week, and uh, you know, it was uh, had a great time. You know, I um, you know, I spent a lot of time going down memory lane. Got to see all the places I play Little League at, or at least played pickup baseball at, and the fields are all grown in, especially in the infield. I mean, the, it's mainly because the city doesn't have the budget to uh, keep up with the parks. And, you know, the, the place I play hockey, I mean, at least they left me a net, but, there's nuts, but the other net was, like, in pieces. I mean, I, I, won the, I won the roller blade on that court. I forgot my blades. I'm glad I did because the court's all torn up for the most part. It's not really... It's not really a place I'd rollerblade on, let alone play roller hockey. There's just, uh, I mean, there's some cracks and, yeah. And, of course, the basketball court that used to be packed every summer is now a gravel lot because they're, they're supposed to take the deck hockey court from 2nd Avenue up to, up, to, up to there, and it's never happened because the state just doesn't have money for it. I don't know. And, and what's what's really crazy about a lot, a lot of uh, my neighborhood is people were asking, what did the kids do? And all the times I drove around the neighborhood and stuff, there was nobody outside. Hardly anybody outside. You'll see, like, occasional people going for their walks. But, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, we were always out playing and Maybe, I mean, just things have just changed so much. You know, it just, you know, my mom used to always say, like, it was, you know, how, you know, I would leave in the morning, take my bike or whatever, my, or my hockey equipment. And, you know, maybe sometimes I'd come in for lunch, sometimes I wouldn't. I'd, I'd go to the store, get a big carton of tea and some snacks. And I would just come home for dinner usually, and then I would leave and come back when it got dark. And it's like, you know, growing up, that's you know, we knew where to go and we knew where to avoid. And it's just, I mean, things are just uh, obviously different now. I don't know. Maybe it's hard to say. Obviously, we got as we've seen, you know, with the. Um, Stuff on news, it gets a lot more crazy stuff, a lot more crazy people. But um, Saturday we had a little fundraiser mulligans for my friend who um, he's battling cancer at stage four. It's gone to his brain, and of course when I went to go see him, I saw him for me about ten minutes, and really. He, you know, he he was coherent. It's just he's just so strung out on the medica- all the all that medication treatment that he really couldn't do much of anything else. I mean, he doesn't have much motor skills, but you know, he's still fighting. I mean, he sent me a text the other day um, checking on me this after the El Paso shooting. I mean, granted, I live in Houston, which is way across the state, but the, but all he knows is I'm in Texas. So from the send that you know that I was pretty was it was pretty cool. I mean, we t- we chatted for a lot more after that, and it seems like he's getting better. And he's just um, he's hoping you know 
he can recover. That's all I can, that's really all I, can, all I can do at this point. But you know, we raise money. Of course, I got my Uncle Sam's fix, and I went to a hipster coffee shop, and I went to Alderdice and checked Alderdice out, and that area is tore up because they're doing something with it. But the uh, other night was a good trip. I mean, had great weather. I mean, one thing I can say about Pittsburgh is the roads have gone have gone a little better. Of course, if you drive around Century Three Mall, it's a dump. I mean, I'm I'm amazed like Johnny and Coles and all that's still there in that Century Square area. I mean, that's it's amazing. A lot of those area those places are still doing good. I mean, if there's ever like a you know like a atomic bomb that hits us, the uh, the uh, Olive Garden and Red Lobster and West Mifflin will be the only two uh, structures still standing and still serving food. I mean, Red Lobster's been there. Actually, Olive Garden they've all been there. Both been there since I was I was probably in grade school. Red Lobster was a big deal, I remember. But uh, uh, I noticed there's some speed there's speedways, and everywhere there's a speedways, there's a sheets. And I guess you guys got the uh, you got like some competition there between. You know, I walked into a speedway; it didn't look bad. I went to the the, the sheets I go I used to always go to. It's changed. I mean, they they um they gutted a little bit and added um. A dining room, a dining area where you can sit down and eat your food. But I went in there on a Sunday night. It was packed. People were just getting food. I'm like, I'm like, what, what's going on here? Is there like nothing to do on a Sunday night? Well, of course I was there as well. I mean, what excuse did I have? But everybody was there. Then I drove around, and you know, I drove down Fifty One, and that little inter- interchange that uh, between Fifty One and Eighty Eight, they, f- I guess, they finally fixed that. And man, they did a great job with that because when I used to, when I used to live in Brookline. I would leave West Mifflin, you know, where I worked, to drive down back to, to uh, Brookline. I would go Fifty. You had two options: you can go Fifty One, and of course, that interchange of Eighty Eight was always a cluster mess. Let's let's just say. Or I could go the back road. I could go down all the way down Lemon Church Road, go around Curry Hollow, you know, down through Casty Village and get on 88. It's a little more scenic. But, um, you know, either, either one, I mean, it's, yeah. But yeah, the road, I mean, the roads have gone better. I mean, the, how they, I mean how, they've, how they've redone them. I'm sure the bike lanes annoy the hell out of you guys, but and I can totally understand that. I mean, but other than that, I mean, I will say things are prospering in Pittsburgh. And of course, I was, you know, I was at the waterfront, I believe it was Friday night, and it was packed. I mean, rock bottom was booming. I mean, it's amazing. I've been, you know, I went to the water. I started going to the waterfront maybe like 99, maybe 2000. 2000 is when like Lowe's Cinema was built, I remember. And we had, you had, you had a bar, um, stadium, stadium like seating, uh, first class seating because you had the, um, the leather seats. And you could take beer in if you sat in first class. And of course, you can bring in chicken tenders and what, what else not. 
and that was like, wow, you know, we go from like freaking Southland 9 or whatever freaking other those type of franchises were to this. I mean, this is like the, the Rolls Royce. You know, obviously that's still the big thing. I mean, there's the Distinta as well. You, you had that. I don't even know the Distinta still around though. But I mean, I noticed like a lot of the original, some, some of the original places are still doing good. I mean, Bravo came in, that's been doing, that's still there. Mitchell's Fish Market, Rock Bottom, Dave and Buster's. I mean, they're all still doing really good. It's amazing how that area is just, you know, last time I was, what was our last year there? It was a ghost town. And, you know, this time around, it's, I guess I must have hit it at a bad time. And of course, you know, Rose Picklesburg as well. Anyways, I'm going to talk about the pit football season and the ACC in general. Obviously, pit for 2019, they come in. Last year, if they finished 7-7 overall, they won the ACC Coastal Division. And they're looking to defend their title. There's a lot of hype this year with UVA, and I just don't get it. And same thing with Virginia Tech. I don't understand it. The way I look at the ACC is, yeah, UVA is in it. I think it's a three-way race between Miami, Pitt, and Virginia. Virginia Tech is going to be in the middle, and your bottom half is going to be North Carolina, Duke, and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is going to be dead last for a lot of reasons. Atlantic, it's going to be Clemson, obviously. But uh, you know, a lot of people are picking Syracuse you know, to challenge them. But um, NC State could give them a challenge as well. Uh, Florida State. Florida State should just hope they can win seven or eight games. Uh Boston College is going to be your your standard seven win team. Wake is going to be a bold team, and Louisville is just they're, they're you know they're shitty. But looking at Pitt this year, obvious concerns are your passing game because of what happened last year. Um, it was inconsistent. And it was a lot of times really bad. A lot of times they couldn't throw the ball at all. So out Sean Watson goes. But as I was doing my research, pretty glaring statistic. Pitt was 5-2 and two when they were throwing the ball for 50, over 150 yards. So they were, you know, so five of those seven wins, they won them throwing over 150 yards. So it's quite obvious. If you have some, I think it's uh, pretty, you know, obvious that um, if you throw for over 150 yards a game, you have a really good chance of winning it. Of course, you mix in the running game as well. There you go. So, you know, obvious concerns the passing game right now because you got Kenny Pickett, who we hope big things last year was for the most part disappointing. Part of that's on Sean Watson, there are parts on Pickett as well. Because Sean Watson can't make those throws for him. There were throws that he needed to make, he didn't do it. And on top of that, he was underthrowing his receivers as well, and I mean, Penn State in particular. He tried to go for a juggler, you know, once or twice, and he got picked off. So, 
the man has plenty of work to do. And of course, if not, there's a um, competition going on for the backup spot, which Jim Hammond wrote about this, you know, or at least tweeted this morning. Basically, um, Nick Patty and uh, Jeff George Jr. are battling for the backup spot. I mean, and that's a key battle because here's the thing. If Kenny uh, doesn't really show anything in camp, let alone this season he starts struggling again, one of those two guys is going to be called in to get their chance to show what they can do. So that's why this is such a big spot for them. I mean, because if they get the backup, there's a good chance that they could be a starter. And plus, knowing that, what if Pickett gets hurt? So either way, they're either a bad performance or an injury away from getting their shot. Offensive line, obviously, is another concern because, well, they lost most of their players. And on top of that, we have a new guy. You know, Dave Borbley is in his second year. So we don't know how these guys are, are, have developed under him in these last two years. One thing is particular, though. Obviously, Mark Whipple has been doing wonders with the offense. They're th- they're fo- they want to throw the ball more. He's, eff- he's put more, a lot more emphasis on that. If we, can't, if we don't have a good offensive line, we're not going to be able to do anything. On top of that, we're, we, we're, we're replacing two 1,000-yard rushers. On top of that. So, replacing a line, replacing running backs. On top of and that, we got new tight ends, obviously, an issue as well because, you know, we lost uh, one player from last year. Had one player decommit because of the direction of the offense. So, I mean, we have Will Gregg and Nocky Griffin-Stewart. We have those two guys. So I'm not sure what we can do with the tight end. But we got to get something out of the tight end this year because, well, we didn't get much last year. And then that's because of, you know, mainly because it was designed. Who knows? But... Uh, Whipbook is only going to be able to fix so much. A lot, a lot's on the rest of these guys, and of course, the other the other positions and the other other position coaches. It's on them as well. So, if anything, we hope these all get these guys are all working together and then getting better every day, coaching better every day. So, like I said, with the offense, there's a lot of moving pieces that really got to work together, and you hope that. Uh, all that gets worked out. I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure they want to throw the ball more, but and there's talented receivers to do that with. I mean, you got, you know, Taysir Mack, who's, you know, really quick, deep threat. You got Maurice French, and you got experienced guys. You got Trey Tipton and Aaron Matthews, both really. Um, Both really, uh, you know, experienced guys, and they're looking to break out. Now, the other side of the coin, we got the defense. 
And the issue there is, well, we lost pretty much, you know, the linebacking core is going to be an issue. But um, secondary and, you know, the front line, we should be fine. Um, last year we um, had some issues with, the, you know, stopping the run. That's one of the Achilles heel, but I think secondary will be good. If we can figure out the running, you know, running game, stopping the run, of course. Those teams, those annoying spread offenses always get us as well. But let's take a look at the rest of the, um, let's take a look at the schedule. UVA, they open with. Now UVA, I did some work, you know, looking, I looked at all these opponents. They're thin at the offensive line and defensive line. Um, they're two top playmakers that were uh, running back and receiver and are gone. But they're loaded at linebacker and secondary. Um, I have Pitt winning this game. Obviously, people are picked UVA because they bring back their quarterback. But if Pitt can keep him contained like they did last year and neutralize him, they'll win. The key here is um, getting the running game going and getting the passing game going. But I like putting it home in this one. So I think that's where they get their first W. Ohio, they had an explosive offense last year, but um, they're thin on – all those guys are gone pretty much. So I got put winning this one. At Penn State, you know, Penn State lost a good bit of their offense, but they got they have a tough you know tough passing defense. I got them losing this one to Penn State. Um, Pitt hasn't won against Penn State since the Reagan administration, and I don't really see it happening again. It would suck to go one three against these guys in this four game series, but that's just the reality of it. And who knows? I, they could they could. By week three, who knows? Maybe we're a lot better than we were week one. So, uh, but I still have them losing this one. Central Florida, despite their loss as a quarterback, supposedly they lost uh, the starter and the backup. But regardless, they're loaded and fast. And one thing, if Pitt really wants to win this game, they're going to have to find someone to get to the quarterback and neutral, you know, just neutralize that passing game. Because that's pretty much what happened. They had their way with us, and maybe with that, maybe this crappy turf at Hines, you know, by week, you know, by week four, you know, you got the Steelers playing. Maybe you know, it'll help. But I have losing this one. Delaware, I got them winning that one. Obviously, it's Delaware. They're playing at Duke. After that, Duke obviously. They lost their starting quarterback, and their defense isn't good. I think it'll be another high-scoring game, which Pitt wins. At, you know, then they go at, then they're at Syracuse. So if you look at the first part of the schedule, they're at home against UVA, home against Ohio, at Penn State, home against UCF and Delaware. So you know they get four of the five games. You know, at home, so that's a key part. But now they have an open date on October 12th, October 18th to go to Syracuse. 
And that's a key because, you know, it gives them some time to prepare for Syracuse. And um, Syracuse is getting a boatload of hype coming this, this season as well. They're obviously, they're replacing their quarterback, but they still got a loaded offense. Defense, though, is still going to be an issue for them. I think it's going to be a, whatever happened last year, you know, obviously Pitt was, it was a high-scoring game in Hines. I think it's going to be another high-scoring game as well. I got Pitt winning this one. Miami, they're always going to be loaded. Defense, they're obviously going to be ferocious. Tate Martell from Ohio State is immediately ineligible if he transferred from Ohio State. That may be their answer at quarterback, and if it is, I got them. I got them. I got Pitt losing this game. I, I get this is their, this is the only ACC loss I have projected at Pitt, and that's a home game, which which sucks as well. Then they go at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is going through a transformation where they have to pretty much replace everything on offense. They're gutting that option stuff, and they have to get all new O linemen, a quarterback who can actually throw the football. So Pitt's obviously going to win this one. I mean, this is going to be a really bad season for Georgia Tech. Uh, UNC, Mac Brown's going with an air raid, but I think Pitt catches them off guard this time around. They get the monkey off their back. Fedora had some sort of, you know, hex over us. I think Pitt this time breaks it. Then we're at Blacksburg against uh, Virginia Tech. Unless Bud Foster can correct that defense, which was dismal last year. Pitt wins again. Bud obviously is retiring after this year, so I really don't see him. Um, I see, by this time, I see Pitt taking it. And then the last game of the season, they got BC. I got them winning that one. So overall, I got Pitt 9-3 overall. And, of course, 7 they believe it's six and one, or just, you know seven and one in the ACC conference. So that's my nine and three, seven and one. Now that's my um, best case scenario. Worst case, you're looking at probably seven and five, eight and four. And with two more ACC losses, they could they could lose they could lose the Virginia game. They could lose the Virginia game and go eight and four. That's a good possibility. And they could also lose the Syracuse game as well, because we all know how Pitt is after bye weeks. For some reason, they have an issue with bye weeks where they just come out flat. So you know your best case nine three seven and one worst case. Eight and four, six and two, or seven and five, five and three. But I really don't think Pitt is striving for seven and five or eight and four. I think they're, I think the coaches, the players, are striving for a lot more than that. But overall, on the coastal, I got Miami taking it. I think Miami's going to run the table. Pitt's going to finish second. UVA third. Virginia Tech fourth. USC fifth. Duke 6, Georgia Tech 7th. In the Atlantic, I got Clemson winning that. NC State's, I have them shockingly going in the number two spot over Syracuse. Dave Dorn's done a hell of a job with that team, that offense, and he has a really good defense, better defense than Syracuse. That's why I have them going over Syracuse. I have Syracuse at 3, 
I have Florida State at four and BC at five, but you could probably swap these because Florida State's talent level has been dropping, and they're just not going to be the Florida State that we saw under Jimbo Fisher anymore. I think we're, you're going to see the Florida State that was under Bobby Bottom before his retirement when they really, really sunk. So, but I have Florida State. Going fourth, BC fifth, Wake Forest sixth, and Louisville seventh. Wake could surprise some teams. I mean, Florida State, Boston College, and you can flip flop those any way you want. But uh, yeah, I have Miami Clemson in the title game. Obviously, Clemson wins that one. But, uh, you know, that's what I think. The Coastal is going to be a three horse race between Miami, Pitt, and Virginia. I still like Pitt's chances, and Pitt could um, Pitt could win the Coastal still. They won. I mean, we counted my last year, and they won it last year without a passing game. They could do it again. You know, my my pick for Miami running the table. It's if it's only if they have some sort of issue, you know, answer with the quarterback. They have great. They have really good players. It's just <laughs> for some reason they can't find a guy that can play. The quarterback position, good. So, that is my pit and ACC uh, preview. So, next podcast, I'll do the rest of the uh, college football uh, geography in general. I'll, I'll do every conference. And what's weird is all the previews I have you know, read at the airport, it's just they break down the top 25. They just give these bullshit little tidbits of all the other teams and conferences. I mean, it's not really... Some of these are just, they're just not in depth as they used to be. But, you know, moving on, we also have the NFL season starting as well. And um, Hard Knocks started last night, so everybody's watching, at least locally, to see what Antonio Brown's doing. The guy's obviously going to get his stats. He's a hell of a player. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't want a Super Bowl, people are still going to jump on this guy. And I really don't know what, you know, why people are, um, I don't know, still worried about him. He's with the Raiders now. Obviously, he brings attention. Of course, you got Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, of course, you know, we're, we're really curious how these guys do. I mean, I, I think Taylor Brown, regardless, is going to have a good season no matter what. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, that's the biggest mystery. And now with Ezekiel holding out, well, a lot more fuel is added to the fire. But anyways, guys, I'm hitting on 30 minutes, and I don't got much else to talk about, really. I mean, we can talk about the Pirates if you want. I mean, that's... Oof. I mean, they, you know, they, they played our months before the All-Star break, but afterwards, it just went downhill. Oh, well, guys. Hell to pit. I'll talk to you later.